0: Welcome to the Desert Fathers Podcast, I'm Father Anthony Shirava. That's right, no one else has taken the name the Desert Fathers Podcast, so that means this is the official podcast on the Desert Fathers, and now, officially, I am an expert on the Desert Fathers. Okay, so technically, I'm not an expert on this, but St. Anthony of the Desert certainly wasn't an expert when he set out to seek the way of perfection. He felt a calling on his heart, and he went for it. So that's what we're going to do with this podcast. Who are the Desert Fathers? In short, they're the founders of the monastic tradition. They sought to follow the gospel in a radical way, and they are the spiritual fathers of the religious orders we know of today. Probably the most well-known Desert Father is Saint Anthony the Great, and his story, written by Bishop St. Athanasius is probably the best introduction to a desert father. Antony was an Egyptian, his parents were Christian and they were of a wealthy family and St. Athanasius writes this about Antony. After the death of his father and mother he was left alone with one little sister. His age was about 18 or 20 and on him the care of both home and sister rested now it was not six months after the death of his parents and going according to the custom into the lord's house he communed with himself and reflected as he walked on how the apostles left all and followed the savior and how they in acts sold their possessions and brought them and laid them at the apostles feet for distribution to the needy and what and how great a hope was laid up for them in heaven pondering over these things he entered the church And it happened the gospel was being read and he heard the Lord saying to the rich man if you would be perfect go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come and follow me and you shall have treasure in heaven Antony, as though God had put him in the mind of the saints and the passage had been read on his account went out immediately from the church and gave the possessions of his forefathers to the villagers They were three hundred acres productive and very fair that they should be no more a clog upon himself and his sister and all the rest that was movable he sold and having got together much money he gave it to the poor reserving a little however for his sister's sake and again he went into the church hearing the lord say in the gospel be not anxious for the morrow he could stay no longer went out and gave those things also to the poor, having committed his sister to known and faithful virgins, he put her into a convent to be brought up, and henceforth devoted himself outside his house to discipline, taking heed to himself and training himself with patience. That's right, if you're listening closely you realize That the entire monastic tradition began with one person being late for Mass. So maybe we should have a little more mercy on those who sneak into Mass during the gospel because maybe they like St. Anthony were pondering what the Apostles first did in the New Testament. Maybe them being late was actually preparing their hearts for a great revelation from God or maybe they just had trouble getting all of their kids in the car. Either way we should be merciful, but a few things about the story we should really look at. First of all, we should realize that Antony's probably going through a time of, of tragedy, of reflection. Both of his parents have passed away. He's in charge of his land, his home, and of his sister. There's certainly a great weight placed on his shoulders, but what does he do? He begins pondering the gospel even though he has these responsibilities, he still goes to church. And that pondering and that focus on the Lord prepares his heart for an encounter with God in a special way in the scriptures, so that when he arrives to the church, when he hears the gospel being proclaimed, it is as if the Lord is speaking directly to him. And this needs to be our attitude as well. The gospel is alive and living. It is God's word. It's how he most ordinarily speaks to us. So often people complain, and understandably so, that they have trouble hearing the voice of God. But if we're not reading the scriptures, then of course we're not going to be hearing the voice of God. If we're not preparing our hearts in the same way Antony did, by keeping God on our mind throughout our day, It's going to be harder to hear the voice of God when it is proclaimed to us. The second thing is, he took the Gospels very seriously. This word, this radical word of going forward and selling everything and giving to the poor, he doesn't analyze. He doesn't mull over. He realizes this is what God is saying to him. Now, even as he does this, he is prudent about it. He makes sure that his sister is taken care of, but he also doesn't run away from the sacrifice that is demanded of him. That's something we need to take a little bit more seriously. That sacrifice is demanded of all of us. That the radical words of the gospel are not meant for other people, they are meant for us. And yes, indeed, each of us is going to have different callings. Those in family life will have a different calling and those who are single and are able to enter religious life. So it's going to be lived out in different ways, but for each and every one of us, it should be lived out radically. So moving forward, we'll hear more and more about the story of St. Anthony's life. The reason for this podcast is because right now, Many Christians are isolated. We're stuck. In fact, now because of the outbreak of a new disease, many Christians are even unable to receive the sacraments and are stuck at home. And this causes, understandably, interior chaos, fear, doubt. You know, it's a shaking up of our spiritual lives. And when our spiritual lives are shaken up, everything is. Everything is. But it's important to remember that even though we're in a difficult position, even though we can't engage in the spiritual life in the way we are normally used to, that does not mean the spiritual life is in any way closed off to us. The Desert Fathers purposefully isolated themselves. And in this time of isolation and silence, they were able to grow closer to the Lord. And so by learning a little bit more from their wisdom, even this time of isolation, we ourselves can continue to grow closer to the Lord. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No. In all these things, we conquer overwhelmingly through Him who loved us. And so we should not be afraid. Maybe our isolation isn't the same kind of quiet that the desert monks were able to find in caves out in the wilderness. Maybe our isolation is with a family that's going a little stir-crazy. But even in that, even in a kind of isolated chaos, there are things that God can teach us because God can bring good out of any situation. The wisdom of the fathers is found in these sayings that have been recorded. So somebody would come up to a desert father, a monk in the desert, and ask a question. And they would give these little bits of spiritual advice. So let's just jump into one right now. Somebody asked Antony, what shall I do in order to please God? He replied, do what I tell you, which is this. Wherever you go, keep God in mind. Whatever you do, Follow the example of Holy Scripture. Wherever you are, stay there, and do not move away in a hurry. If you keep to these guidelines, you will be saved. I'm going to read that one more time. Somebody asked Antony, What shall I do in order to please God? He replied, Do what I tell you, which is this. Wherever you go, keep God in mind. Whatever you do, Follow the example of Holy Scripture. Wherever you are, stay there and do not move away in a hurry. If you keep to these guidelines, you will be saved. Let's start with that question, which is deceptively simple. What shall I do in order to please God? When is the last time you asked yourself that question? There's a lot of concerns right now, a lot of concerns in our life. What should we do? What should we say? But above them all, should be. What shall I do in order to please God? Now, in a certain sense, of course, we cannot change God, because God is unchanging. But if we focus too much on that aspect of spirituality, we kind of become paralyzed. The Lord allows us to kind of see Him and view Him uh, through our human minds, through the ways that we can. So there's nothing wrong with that. That idea, what shall I do in order to please God, there's something about that question that is true. There are things we can do in order, in some sense, to please God. To do what is right, to do what is good. This question will cut through all the other concerns. Especially when we feel panicked, especially when we feel overwhelmed, take a step back and ask ourselves, what shall I do in order to please God? Because all of these other concerns, even the ones that are very important, they are passing away. What shall I do in order to please God? And the response sounds simple. Wherever you go, keep God in mind. Whatever you do, follow the example of Holy Scripture. Wherever you are, Stay there and do not move away in a hurry. Let's start with that last one, because many of us are stuck where we are right now. Many of us are isolated. Many of us can't go anywhere, or at least we know we shouldn't go anywhere. Wherever you are, stay there and do not move away in a hurry. But the thing is, you can be in one place physically and be in a million different places, spiritually and emotionally. Wherever you are, stay there and do not move away in a hurry. There can be an aspect to our isolation right now where we're kind of in denial. We would like for all this to go away, but it's not going to go away, at least not anytime soon. Let's just face it. We're stuck. We're here. We are in this moment. There is not a lot that we can control. Not a lot as we as individuals can possibly change. Whenever a tragedy strikes, I think we often replay it over and over in our minds, trying to figure out what we could have done differently. Or we escape and we try to imagine, if I had done this differently, then my life would be looking like something else right now instead of how it is. In that sense, when we do those things, we are not staying where we are. We are desperately running to other places in our mind. Instead, we need to stay still, to be where we are. And why is that so important? It's because these other actions, these other imaginings, this projecting ourselves into other places in our mind, other scenarios, it's all this attempt to gain a kind of control over our situation that we simply don't have. So if we can't fix this physically, we try to fix it mentally or emotionally. And when we begin to do that more and more, we're not going to be relying on God. So we're not going to be attached to the reality that we're in. We're not going to be relying on God, we're going to be increasing our anxiety, and anxiety forms a cloud between us and God as well. So this bit of advice, wherever you are, stay there and do not move away in a hurry, is incredibly important. It's not just an exterior disposition, it's an interior disposition. Taking our time, being where we are, deceptively simple, difficult to do, but incredibly important. What helps us to do that is precisely that first bit of advice. Wherever you go, keep God in mind. So often we, we segregate God to certain times during the day. So we have our time for prayer or our time for mass or whatever that is, that's our time for God. And the rest of the day, we focus on other things. Now, That's not to say that there are certain times in our day where we are focusing exclusively on God, those very set times of prayer in our life. And that's important. We can't pray always unless we pray sometimes. So indeed, setting aside those certain times exclusively for God is important. But as we move out of those times of prayer and into our daily lives, As we move into the chaos of family life, of work life, of social distancing life, we have to make sure that we are keeping God in mind throughout that as well. Because those other times in our lives, there should be nothing in them that we need to hide from God. There should be nothing in them that we are ashamed of. First of all, God is okay And wants to be with you in the normalcy of your life. He's not bored by your life, nor is he ashamed by your life. He wants to be in every single aspect of it. But so often we think there are certain things that are worthy of God in our lives and certain things that are not. So if we go to the grocery store, well, that's not really worthy of God's time. I don't need to be thinking about him or inviting him into that time. But indeed, that should be a place where God is as well. This doesn't mean we are necessarily praying Hail Marys as we go through the grocery store or as we try to homeschool our kids or whatever else, but at least before we go into those moments, to actively invite God into them. And this becomes a practice, a kind of habit. It becomes more natural the more that we do it. And so what that will do is the more we do that, our set-aside times of prayer will begin to change how we live. Because we've set aside certain times for prayer to help us focus on God, which gives us the strength to bring God into the ordinary aspects of our life, which then gives us the strength to do good, to avoid sin, to be present, to love neighbor. So whatever we do, keep God in mind. So wherever we go, keep God in mind. And finally, whatever you do, follow the example of Holy Scripture. Now, this bit of advice can seem uh, a little vague, right? Because there's a lot of Scripture, right? And Scripture says a lot of things. To say whatever you do, follow the example of Holy Scripture. How do we make that make sense? Two things. One, if we're going to follow the example of Holy Scripture, we have to know Holy Scripture. And this doesn't necessarily mean memorizing Holy Scripture. But we do have to be familiar with it. So taking the time to actually read Scripture, to let it sink into our hearts. And we can look to that story of St. Anthony to see what happens to a soul that is open to Scripture and listens attentively to it. But let's simplify this bit of advice. Follow the example of Holy Scripture in Scripture. How does a good person act in accordance with Scripture? With humility. So humility meaning that we recognize who we are. Humility isn't necessarily sticking your face in the mud and saying that you're a terrible person. Humility certainly isn't self-loathing, but humility is seeing reality as it is. So a truly humble look at oneself who would say, I am a sinner, who is striving, however imperfectly, to love God, that I am indeed loved by God, and that I am a person who God desires to become a saint. So you got to keep those things in balance. Our own lowliness, but also the great dignity that God has elevated us into. So everything I do, I don't think I'm a big important person by myself, but I know I have dignity and I have been deemed lovable by God. That is how he has made me. And that's the attitude with which I carry myself in my day to day life. So you can see with that attitude, you're certainly in one sense going to stand up for yourself because you have inherent dignity, but you're not going to be trying to prove yourself to anyone because really. Who cares what anyone else thinks of you? Who cares what creatures think of you when the Creator finds you so lovable that He sends His only begotten Son to suffer, die, rise for you, to save you? Who cares what any creature thinks of you when God the Father has made you His own child? Seeing ourselves in true humility, seeing ourselves as both sinners and loved by God, creates a balance within us, and ultimately is incredibly freeing. We are free to be who we are. We're free to pursue God. And so a lot has been taken away from us recently, but our freedom in God has not and cannot be taken away. Even though the ordinary means of growing in the spiritual life have changed and shifted for many of us, it does not mean that God has abandoned us. He's still with us. As far apart as we may feel from each other, we are still one body in Christ. And now is kind of a forced retreat for all of us. The Desert Fathers, they chose to go out into the desert. But we kind of got kicked out into the desert. But maybe, in some way, that is what we need, to refocus, to reevaluate, to remember the deepest truths about our faith, to enter into this time of fasting, knowing that all times of fasting are limited, they're not forever, they will one day end, and we will enter into the great feast of Jesus Christ and his resurrection.